What what kind of key do you what kind of chord do you guys want me to start in to kick off D, the new year? D minor. Start in D minor. Oh, you want a D minor, the saddest of all the chords? Yes. Because we are witnessing the end of humanity. <laughs> it's all happening. Or is it? Or is it? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Corridor Digital Podcast. It's been a while, um, but we're glad to be back. So hello, welcome, and uh, thanks for being here. Um, we had to come back. We had it's to come only back. something we- this groundbreaking, earth-shattering, <laughs> cataclysmic. Cataclysmic. I like that word. Yes. We, are, we were needed, and so we returned. <laughs> <laughs> like a band of heroes, a, like band, a band of retired of heroes. heroes. Also, it was Christmas and we had to catch up and get our first couple of videos going. Also, that happened. Yes, we did. Yeah. <laughs> but it all yeah. lined up. We finished our all our work and then suddenly a moment, a momentous occasion happened. Yeah. So we we started uh, the year off and um, we said, hey, man, there's a lot going on with... Um, with with all these AI art tools and and we should do a video about it. Uh, so we we sought out to do you know a, a video where I'd take my law background and and talk about just the general legality of AI art in total. Um, but and then the, the as question we were asking was like, do you own do you own the copyright to the picture you generate? Right. That was the first and most. That was the first and foremost question. And then the second question was followed by whether or not the um, data set that goes into a lot of these programs, whether that data set is like fair use or whether that that can be protected or whether that needs to be licensed and all that stuff. But most of it was about whether or not you could own the image that you generate. And then a major class action lawsuit was filed against Stability AI and uh so it shifted the focus uh but it was great timing because it allowed us to to hone in on a very specific issue that's come up right now um and then while i was writing the video on tuesday another lawsuit was filed in the uk also against stability but this time <laughs> it was by getty images instead of the uh class of defendants or the class of plaintiffs so yeah, very apt timing, I think. Yeah, I mean, and also, truly, when it comes to like the legal ramifications of all this stuff, the one that people truly care about and are emotional about is 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 that latter issue of, yeah, um, are these models ethically trained? Yeah, are they are they ethically grown models? Are these right, ethically so trained AI yeah. models? So let's let's get into the stable diffusion one because that's the one that I have very good knowledge of after doing five days of writing. And so what here's what they did. They 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 went to a German nonprofit uh called Lyon and they said, Hey guys, uh we need you're a research organization. We we're gonna pay you to come up with a data set of almost six billion images. And so they went out and they scraped the internet and voila data. And then obviously you know how training models works, Nico, you're pretty familiar with that. 
So then they took that and they made a huge model with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they then, gave it six billion images that also had captions and basically yeah. trained the diffusion model how to generate images along with where the captions pair with those images. So you can basically create new things by calling into that point in latency. So place. here's my question. Here's my question. Would 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 stable diffusion be as good as it is if it didn't have that data set, if it wasn't trained on that data set? They would have to have spent a lot of time building a data set. Well, hold yeah. on. Yeah. If Leon, it's like L-A-I-O-N, right? Yeah. L-A-I-O-N is how it's spelled. Mm-hmm. Like it's, yeah. So yeah. they are the people creating this data set. So hold on. Why wasn't the lawsuit filed against them? Well, because it's not it's not illegal to scrape the internet for research purposes. Yeah, you can. Yeah, and apparently in the in Europe you can scrape you can scrape data sets like that. Well, I so that, I read into that, and that's not necessarily that was a UK that was like a UK council mm, proposal. It's not a law, but they a sold people, it. They sold the data set. Yeah. So what? So that's the thing is that they sold it. And, well, but the, but the you thing can is, download the Leon data set for free. It's open source. Right. So the thing is, is like, yeah. Wow, they're, this they're, gets very complicated quickly. It does yeah, get can, very complicated very quickly. You can go to the site right quickly. now and download it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen and, all those things, and all the, the tools to like search it and stuff so like that. So the fact that you can, da- and, and I, I made this case too in, in, the, in the video, but the fact that you can download it for free does not mean that it's not copyright infringement. Right. So yeah, I can like, download the know, Matrix for free. Right, exactly. Yeah, through through torrents. That doesn't. It's not like well, Napster was free, so it's got to be okay, right? right. Let me, let so, me, so let's let's just set 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 the record here for everyone listening who's not in. So we're talking about AI again for the millionth time, and it's because it's a constantly back. evolving thing that is always getting crazier and better and more interesting. Yeah, by the minute to the point where now we're you know heavily involved with all sorts of AI stuff. But um, the point is is that what's happening. Artists got angry that their images made their way into this data set that this model is trained on. Yeah. And it's recreating images that resemble the work of an artist in general. Yeah. yeah. Like stylistically. Stylistically. Kind of subject mattery. You can type like in, if, if you type in Thomas Kincaid Farmhouse into Stable Diffusion trained on Lion 5B, it literally spits you back out a painting-like image that looks exactly like what thomas kincaid would paint but it's not it, it's not a replica of his paintings right that's the one distinction is it's, it's not an actual copy of a yeah. painting he's made right it's so but we'll, we'll get into like that a, a little bit I, I just want to cl- <laughs> so so sam yeah sam sets the table a little bit here and just you know that's the gist of it there were these huge data sets that got used to train these ai generators they didn't ask permission to include any of the work that was included in the data set. And now the people who have work in the data set have banded together to file cl- a class action lawsuit against the AI image generator uh, mm-hmm. or against the company that made it. So the first question of whether or not the data set is, you can even do that in the first place. For research purposes, generally, the answer is yes. They're also a nonprofit organization. I don't know the distinctions and the nuance between like how you know Germany treats nonprofits, but... I think in general, that would be considered no matter where you are, like, okay, hey, we downloaded this, it's for research. Now, is there some question as to whether or not them just simply downloading all those without permission and then making them available to the public is copyright infringement? Yeah, but it's also the fact that all of those images were already available on the internet and there's no mm-hmm. inherent commercial use when you're offering the data set to somebody else. So it's it's not exactly like the most ripe like party to go well, after yeah you know? that's like that's like suing someone that's like requesting damages because someone downloaded a jpeg of your art and then emailed it to their friend exactly which that, it's you like know, that it's the same thing yeah and so technically it's like well you were only supposed to download it for yourself you never should have shared it with your friend <laughs> but you know i mean these these is a minor issue so the the real issue is now you know taking turning that data training the stable diffusion model on it and then offering that to the public and then people go look at the art that i made <laughs> and you know when so, yeah. so there's a lot of issues here um so yeah you have this you have this knowledge base this model that's trained on the data and i guess they're kind of saying like 
So this model that you've trained, because it's trained on copy, because it's trained on lots of material, and some of that material is my material that you've used. Therefore, yeah. my copyright has now been is now in your model, mm -hmm. and that is a violation of my copyright. Yes, yeah. So there's the first violation that they're claiming, which is just simply you took my image and you used it in a data set that now you're using, you know, for your for your own company's purposes. And the value in part is based on my work. Now they don't say that through stable diffusion you can make a copy, direct copy of, you know, who Sam, name an, name another artist in an AI data set. Just Greg Rutkowski. Greg, oh, <laughs> okay, we'll go to the classic example of Come Greg Rutkowski. Like, I honestly didn't know about him until AI stuff happened. Right. And then I realized, <laughs> oh, wait a second, I've seen all his work, and I just realized, oh, he's the guy who makes all this cool D&D fantasy art. Yes, yeah. So, you know, the, you've seen the painterly images of dragons fighting man. That's, yes. you know, Greg yeah. Rutkowski. So, um, yeah, so anyways... You can't make an exact replica of his photo, but what he's what they're saying is, hey, look, the model trains itself on the image. And then the goal of the model, if you just trained it on one image, would be to replicate the image that you trained it on. If you just yeah. trained it on one image. Mm -hmm. Now, if you train it on six billion images, then... It's not going to look exactly like any particular image that it has, but it's going to have what's called latent data, mm -hmm. a, a latent data mesh. That's that's basically the accumulation of all of the training that it's done on all the images that you've given it. And so when you type in, so it, and it cannot do that, but for the copyrighted works that you trained it on. So they're saying everything that it creates is a derivative work because everything that it creates is necessarily built upon the things that it's been trained on, which I think is honestly not a bad argument. Mm -hmm. um, the question just simply really becomes like whether or not that use transcends that whole idea. Because mm -hmm. there's this whole idea of called transformative work, which courts really like it when a company can say, yeah, I know that, you know, you had all these book publishers who had all these printed books and then we scanned all of them without their permission and made an index of them on the internet that people could then use to read parts of the books. But that's, we didn't do it to undercut the publishers. We did it to offer it to a digitized version of it to the public. And then the public can decide whether or not they want to buy it from the publisher, but we're not selling the books. That's what mm -hmm. Google did. And so there, there's kind of a similar thing going on here where they're saying, look, if you want a Greg Rakowski picture, you know, go and get one from him. Like, you know, or, or you want, you want any, you want a illustrated book or you want whatever form of specific art you might want. You can go and get it directly from that artist or wherever they might sell stuff. This is something different. This is a different use. This is, this is used for, you know, getting directly from an idea to a, an immediate manifestation of an idea. It's not necessarily used to, Hey, look at, I'm, I'm replacing the market for Greg Rakowski art because I used an AI image gener generator to generate images that look like his art. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important distinction because it doesn't take away the value of his art as it exists, but at the same time, it might. Mm -hmm. It could. Yeah. It could. Yeah. Right. It hasn't quite happened yet. Like people's careers haven't been destroyed by AI art yet, potentially, right? It's like right. only a few months into this. Like careers haven't been made. They That's, haven't been destroyed. Like we're just yeah. We're not That's there yet. the craziest thing about it. Is this only this program literally was released publicly in August. Yeah. It's January. And and, and who so who knows? You know, but like, think about it this, let's take it, take it, take it and extrapolate it one step further. Imagine that you're Disney. Okay. Cause mm -hmm. they love to sue everybody. So imagine you're Disney and now you have stable diffusion 3.0 and they just take every, every movie under the sun that they can, that they can grab. They use it in their data set and then they come up with an AI movie generator. I mean, we are, we are like surprisingly quickly going to be at that point. Yeah. 
there is no reason why all of a sudden just you you're not gonna be able to hop to ai image generating from or hop, be able to hop from ai image generating to movies or to be able to hop into music or any other form of consuming entertainment that you want there you know that's gonna happen so now imagine it this way okay I, i'm instead of watching a movie instead of watching what disney's putting out or going to the movies or renting a movie or whatever it might be I'm just going to go on to Stable Diffusion and I'm just going to write a kid's movie about a magical genie in a bottle and uh, an Arabian princess and a young, dashing worry, we, young man. We have Aladdin like, at home, kids. Right? <laughs> but that, you know what I'm saying, though? Like that, that's, yeah. and then it'll, it'll be like, hey, I, I got you. I was trained on Aladdin. Here's Aladdin. <laughs> yeah, here's Aladdin, you know? but we made it look a little different. Yeah, we made it look a little bit different, and you know, maybe it's but some other culture or some Disney other place in time. With Aladdin, it is. That's the thing. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. Literally, I have the book right here. A thousand and one Arabian Nights, the the yeah. last one. I mean, that's this book. Yeah, it's like the 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 thousand and one Arabian Nights is where that that story originally came from. Alibaba and the Forty Thieves, that whole thing, the magic lamp, like those are those are folklore myths. A lot of them. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, we can't discount, you know, there's a huge team of like artists and people writing and all that stuff to transform totally. that, the elements of those folk tales yes. and make them digestible and entertaining, which totally is a serious feat. And yeah. only through the work that they've put in, they've been able to create a definition of what an animated film should be in the first place. The question is, do they own the knowledge of what makes a good animated film? Do they do they own the knowledge of what makes a good Aladdin animated film? You know, that's really the questions you start to get into here. It's it's not just the expression itself. It's the it's the it's the style behind it, and and how that translates through time through different mediums of art. Because that's like, the real question. The world of actual copying, like. That hasn't changed. Like if you use the AI to output an exact image of Genie from Aladdin, Disney's Aladdin, you yeah. couldn't say that that's your movie, you know, that that's your Genie because that's that's a trademarked character. Like that hasn't changed necessarily. Right. That the hasn't changed is, at all. Does the model, if it can output Genie, does that constitute right. copyright violation? But what if it's a green Genie and it's called Gian and it comes out of a mason jar instead? <laughs> True. Yeah. I so, guess it's hard yeah. because, yeah, I mean, like, I guess what is the real difference here is that it's just, it's more intelligent knockoffs, you know? Yes, but the, the other question is whether or not, and so, so let's, let's just hone in on this because it's not necessarily the output that is an infringement. I don't think, yeah. I think if it's, it's whether or not the data is fair use mm -hmm. it's whether or not it's fair for another person to take that without licensing it or authorizing it from the original owner and then using it to create something that yeah. is 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 trained on it well in a way it's an entire ripple effect of legality too where it's sure it's like is this copyrightable is ai art copyrightable it's like well hold on like is how is the model sourced? What is the, what's the legal ramifications of just that whole aspect in the first place? Because, I mean, I feel yeah. like I feel like the the best world to be in here, like the ideal policy that could come out, is if you train a model on public data, as in like people's pictures or stuff they've written. But like you know, you didn't get permission for it; it's just out there. If you train a model on it, that model also has to be public. You know, I feel like that's mm. the simplest like policy like mm -hmm. to implement. Like if you want to have a model that's yours that you're going to sell and you're going to make it exclusive to do so with other people's copywritten work and to build it off of that, I feel like starts to step over a line because you've used content people have created to generate value in that model, you know? Yeah. Well, that's I guess the that's where we kind of get to this distinction between models where let's say you have like a mid journey type model and let's say there's this ruling that eventually says well if it's if you know well i mean mid journey you have to pay for it so mm -hmm. there's that whole thing 
So, but like stable diffusion raw, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you are able to download that and use the it least free stable make, of all the diffusions. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then it starts to become a thing where it's like, okay, well, if you're using this model, you can't copyright the work because it's effectively just becoming it. It, it only outputs. Uh, creative commons so <laughs> you know license fair use kind of stuff it's probably worth delving into that for a second here so we've been talking you know the question is all right so you pop open an a generator program specifically like stable diffusion and you generate a picture do you own that picture and as we've talked about it we've come to the conclusion that no you don't own the output so from that, the program yeah so that's a separate issue from the whole issue of whether or not they're allowed to use the data set to train a model. But, right, but, let, but let's talk about this one just yeah, for Yeah, that's a very specific question. A yeah. lot of people are confused about this. I, and it, honestly, I think for a long time we were as well. But mm -hmm. I, 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 I spent the last week just like in the copyright books. In, <laughs> it, it, and there's no way. There's no way understanding how the models are built and what the models are doing, what they're putting out. If you go onto stable diffusion and you type in anything, you, you do not own that image. Well, you yeah. own it, but you, it is not copyrightable, right? It is not and copyright. You do not own a copyright in that image. And the reason for that is that when you type in prompts into a program like that, you're not creating an image. You're finding an image. You're basically yes. activating different right. points in latent space. Yes. And it outputs an image. In other words, it's a giant library and you've typed in typed in an index, a very it's, specific it's, index. It's a coordinate, basically. It's a coordinate. Yes, it's a yeah, coordinate exactly. that's based off of everything that, you that your that your variables are. It's not even like just your prompt too. It's all the variables. Yeah. Because we if we have the same model on two different machines. And we enter the same prompt, the same variables, all that stuff. AKA the same coordinates. Yeah, the same coordinates. We will both generate the same image. And that was kind of the breakthrough for these pro these programs was that they figured out a way to give you a way to control coordinates through words. They figured, mm -hmm. oh, if we pair the words in this way, they basically act as a vector, right? It's like a slider almost. It's a coordinate. Yeah. It's a way to access a coordinate. Oh, I want to access the, the cat coordinate. I want to access the painterly coordinate. I yeah. want to access... The black and white coordinate. You know, these exactly. are all different and, and, points on a graph, basically. And, and that's why a lot of AI image generators are really deceptive for most people out there because they don't contain the full set of variables to create that image. Like Midjourney and Dolly are it seems like, oh, it's just randomly constantly making new stuff. Like, but what, what what's happening on the back end is they're probably just changing like the seed. They're changing some of the variables in the background so that way. Every single time you enter a prompt, you're always going to get a new image. And so it seems like this, oh, it's a magic thing that constantly is making different things, but it's not. Yeah, it's almost like a fractal, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. like if I so, rendered a fractal and you rendered the fractal, you don't have copyright unless you did a special kind of rendering, like just that fractal. It's like owning a math equation, right? Yeah, like, right. This is just Almost. a much more complex version so just, just to explain exactly why that is. So the, the, the model is trained on right training images, and it, cre it, it creates latent, a latent understanding of all the images that it's trained on. Yeah. And this, the, this happens, if you didn't watch the video, this happens through a process of diffusion where they add, they give an image to a computer, to a machine learning program, and they say, here's an image, it's called an apple. And then they introduce more and more noise over that image as slowly the image becomes completely obscured. And then they go, computer, I just showed you what an apple is. Make apple. And the computer goes, okay, I'm going to, here's a totally obscured image. I'm going to, we're going to remove noise from it. Here's what I think an apple is, maybe. And, and, and it just does this a million times until eventually it does it enough times where you're correcting it, you're correcting it, you're correcting it. You're going, no, that's not an apple. More of this, more of more apple like this. Apple more red, red, apple more circle, yeah, more apple green, apple circle. Forms. Yes, all of that. And it it doesn't know what an apple is. It's just it just knows what you're telling it to do. And then yeah. eventually it goes, okay, did I do a good job? And you go, yes, you did a good job. Good job, machine. You've <laughs> machine learned your way back to understanding what an apple is. Now, next time I tell you to show me an apple. Show me that apple that you made. And it goes, okay, got it, boss. That's what yeah. it does. 
And when you're, when you're when you're typing in the word apple, all that you're doing is you're triggering all the relationships of visual forms that were part of those apple pictures to be paired with that word. You could have typed in banana and you'd have the same exact results if you're using pictures of apples, right? It's it's yeah. learning that apples generally have this shape. They generally have this texture. They generally are pictured like this. It's just learning visual forms and shapes and basically statistically relating that to to any word that you give it. In this case, you can give you give it apple. Yeah. And that so apple now, acts as your coordinate. So now yeah. in this case, you have in the specific case of stable diffusion, every program and model is different, but six billion images. It's yeah. done this on six billion images. So when you type in, you know, um, a uh, wristwatch, uh, a vintage wristwatch made out of gold with, uh, you know, diamond tickers i don't i'm really bad at describing things um but yeah, yeah you know like a golden yeah. wristwatch vintage golden wristwatch it's gonna be like okay here but it's all it's going to do is spit you back a coordinate of latent data that's so what it does it goes okay i got wristwatches okay i've got ones with like diamond crusted i've got ones that are blue i've got ones that are green i've got ones that are new i've got ones that are old it takes all the images that it possibly has in the in the conditioning that you gave it and it shoves it all together and then it interpolates it into something that's legible to the human eye. Mm-hmm. And then that it matches and it's like, those visual traits. Yeah, it matches it all. And then it's like, okay, this is, this is, this is going to look like a, a vintage golden wristwatch. And then you go, okay, it created it from scratch. It's like, no, it didn't, it didn't create it because you told it to create it. It was just, you were just like, here's a input coordinate. And then it just ran out, found that thing and presented that image to you. So yeah. in order to have a copyright in something, there has to be what's called minimal creativity. And I don't think under almost any analysis legally, based upon what we know about what is required for minimal creativity, which is not a lot, but it's enough where it, it has to originate with the author. It has to originate with you. You have to be the progenitor of it, like the literally the producer of the original thing. Right. And so typing it like, oh, all my prompts are what made it creative. It's like, no, your prompts are just it's taking your vector and you're just adjusting where that vector is in space a little bit. It doesn't matter how many words you're giving it, whether you're saying apple or you're saying apple, 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 or you're saying blue, apple, shiny gold. All you're doing is like you could also just find the abstract coordinate value and you could type that in instead. Yes. You know? Yeah. So so you have that. And then you also have this idea that that's a process. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's possible to patent. I think it is possible actually to patent a prompt. I, but it's I not think. possible to copyright it. I don't think it's possible to copyright it, but I, it might be, it might be possible to patent it. I don't know enough <laughs> about patent law, but it's definitely not possible to copyright it. I mean, I don't want to say that with absolute certainty because maybe somewhere, someday, sometime, some court, somebody might say otherwise, but looking at it, and looking at what's what the history of like the decision on minimal creativity has been also it has to be an independent creation of the author as well and the whole coordinates thing using that example if it's possible for somebody else to find it based upon what they know you already did then it's also not copyrightable if it's possible for two people to find it without knowing about each other then technically it's still copyrightable. But I think minimal creativity is still the the thing that it can't jump over. Yeah, because like, if, you, if you type an apple with a seed of one and I type an apple on a different computer with a seed of one, we get the exact same image. Well, do you? Do you, you get do. the exact yeah, same image? You get image? the exact same image, yep. Because like I said, you're not, you're not generating an image. You're just going to the, an index of where all the different neurons meld to make that specific image. So I know that I know that that's the case, but and I I just thought it was like, oh, it's slightly different. You know, it's not giving you the exact coordinate because how could it boil down all the coordinates into that single user interface? And then no, that's straight up. You type Apple seed one and I type in Apple seed one and we use the same model. We end up with the same image. So it kind of boils back to like it's the model that holds the data. Is that true? Is that true, Nico? Because why is it when you type in Apple and then you click? Every time generate, it gives you a different image. Because you had a random seed on. So it was changing the oh, seed every time. Yeah, there's a oh, way to, you can just okay. lock the seed off. But right now, oh. by default, it stays random. 
So yeah. that's that's also tricking people probably a little bit too. Probably yeah, because yep. it's 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 a random seed. That's value. what I was saying earlier. Because obviously you can pick a seed between one and like you know a million, but still, if we both pick the same number, we both get the same image. Meaning that image wasn't created when you when you when you typed your prompt in. It means the image was already there. You just yeah. accessed it. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's but, like like whew. you said. It's like going to a huge library. And just because you <laughs> went through all the indexes and you found a particular paragraph in a particular book, and it was really yeah. hard to find, but you found it, that doesn't yeah. mean it's now yours. Yeah. Right. There's there's also no reward for it's called to... it's called the sweat of the brow doctrine, and it, and it literally <laughs> says there's no reward in copyright for how hard you worked. <laughs> it's like, well, I worked really hard. I read all the books in the library. Don't I get something? And it's like, not in copyright. You know, mm -hmm. maybe in life you get something, but but not in this law. Um, now, yeah. Uh, yeah, eventually, <laughs> eventually, if you take that output and you do something more with it, right? You do a collage yes. or you start editing the photos. Like, if you take that output and you just don't leave it as raw output from the program, but you start adding your own process to it as an artist, it starts to enter copyright land and you can copyright it. 100%. 100%. As soon as you take it and you start to do something with it that's not based upon the way that you got the image in the first place, like, you know, if you, if you, if you take it and then you start in painting, I still think you know, you start to enter copyright land when you talk about in-painting, when you talk mm -hmm. about the, those those second and third order uses. Still, it's it's if you made a collage with it or you took it out and you change, even just changing like the color of it from mm -hmm. what it originally output and, and doing some, you know, stylized coloration to it, making a collage with it, using it as, you know, an underlying understanding of like a style book for something that you're making um, any of that, obviously that stuff starts to reintroduce the originality. I do want to talk about in painting though, cause that's kind of the next natural step. Yeah, but, you find but, an but image before, that right you really talk about in painting. Yeah. yeah. That the prop, the, the weird thing I still see with that is the distinction of whether you've done enough to alter it at all, because, because of the amount of variables and the prompt you're using, how would anyone, I mean, how would someone find whether you have altered it or not in the first place? If, they can't find the original. I mean, obviously, like, just because you can't find the original coordinates doesn't mean it yeah. doesn't have coordinates. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. mean that it's that doesn't mean that it's original though. Just because you can't maybe can't duplicate it or find it. Um, yeah. And most of the pictures again, do have all that stuff in the metadata, and you can just type it in and you get the exact same picture. Yeah, but let's say you're some guy making another comic here, and you submit yeah. it, and they're like, "Is hey, did you tweak any of this stuff?" And he's like, "Yeah." Well, yeah, then you I mean, and also not to mention, but, what like, if he, but you didn't. Well, but even, even so, like, even taking, how, taking, how is anyone going to find out? But if you take pictures and you start putting them in order and they are representing a story that you've written, you know, now that, that also, added, yeah. So, so yeah, again, that, that now starts to introduce copyright. You could take an entire thing that's that all the images are taken just by prompting simple prompts in an AI program. But if you start to take those and you start to arrange them in a certain way, such that now all of a sudden the arrangement itself starts to have originality, that is copyrightable because you did that. Yeah, but it's like the arrangement could be copywritten, but the images themselves yes. are. It's the same thing with facts. Yeah. I mean, you could write a book about World War II. It could be the most striking, greatest work ever of history, but it, it, you can't, it doesn't mean you can't tell somebody else that they cannot write about World War II. Like those are facts. Yeah, you know, and so you yeah. cannot Good analogy. You can't take those with you, but you can take the arrangement of them with you, and you can yeah. say that the this arrangement is mine. Yeah. So that took us to the really, you know, once we kind of figure out this like output thing, that really boiled it down to the model, and you had to yeah. really start digging into the legalities around the model now. Yes, right. Because uh, well, and you taught me this, but uh, I thought that you know, like every version of stable diffusion had was you know, had the same model or whatever. Um, yeah. But no, you, uh, you can make, you can make lots of models. <laughs> yeah. You can make endless models of yeah. it and, and you can take your own data and then have it train on that data. Like what which is what done. you did? Yeah, yeah. Which was what you've done when you did the whole, you know, you took everyone's face and then you were able to make 
a story with everybody and you had me and Sam and Christian and Steve, the landlord and, and everybody. And that is now original because that is from work that you took outside, brought it into the program. And then you ran the same training on those images, but the images you brought in were original to you. Mm -hmm. That now reintroduces originality back into the outputs. Yeah. So it really seems like the the lawsuit here specifically has to call out almost like specific models. Like, hey, when disability released 1.5, that model is specifically infringement of our copyright. So yes, yes, they do, and they do call out they, the the main one that they call out is is Lion Five B, which is the, so the big data one. Set. The data, the data set. set, yeah, and the model and just, any any model that's built on that data set is that. You know, you're not changing or whatever. That's that's yeah. what they're saying. And just just quickly to clarify for listeners, a data set is basically like the images or like, you know, video files, sound files, basically the actual data you would train a model on. And then the model is effectively the knowledge that you've mm -hmm. now trained for your AI, the machine learning algorithm. It's so to speak, it's like it's like the neural network once it's processed things. It processed things and like kind of learned how to represent things. You know, that's that knowledge would be referred to as your model. It's like when we yeah. make a deep fake, we have data sets, which is just, you know, thousands of pictures of people's faces. And then you train the model. It tries to replicate those faces and that data file that it makes, it kind of has that ability to replicate faces. That would be the model. So it's like the knowledge in here after you read a book, but it's exactly. not the book. The yep. book is still the book. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's um, that's part of what they bring up is you know they they started they they pinpoint a specific data set, and they say okay because of this data set, that's how the infringement is happening. But again, this isn't about the infringement. I don't think it's it's like pretty obvious to me that it's infringing. It's just <laughs> about whether or not whether or not they're allowed to get away with it because they're introducing a new use. Why is it obviously that's an it's infringing? Why do you say that? Why is it well, so certain? Well, I I think there's two things. I mean, first, when you just straight up take the image without the authorization from the copyright owner, and then you use that in a in a data set that isn't just for research, that's going to be used in a model that you're going to exploit later on. I mean, I, I that's that's unauthorized reproduction. You could make a very basic argument to say that that's. Of infringement of the right of reproduction, um, which is one of the exclusive rights of copyright holders. But I think the better argument that they make is the derivative work argument. Um, and, and to say that because all of the images that the model generates are directly derived from all of the training images that you gave it. It's not like it's, it's not like, yeah, I know that I used your song, you know, but Paul McCartney, but I also, I changed a couple of the words. It's like, no, <laughs> it didn't. It's just, it just blended 800,000 different songs together that you, that are equally still owned by somebody else. It, there, there's nothing original that it's adding when it gives you one of those outputs. And so that's a good argument. That's a good mm -hmm. argument that it's a derivative work. But then if you argue that it's a derivative work, then the, the, the next question, which so derivative work, just to be clear, that's one another exclusive right of copyright holders. You have the right of reproduction. You have the right of derivative work. It's called the adaptation work. It's like, hey, you want to make a movie out my book or you want to make a second edition of my book or whatever it might be. You got to ask me. You can't just go out and make it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what they're saying. The program like is a doing. cover of a song. Or a cover of a song. Yeah, well, there's a special exception for covers of songs, but I, I won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> there is. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, so that's what they're saying. Um, but as soon as you make that argument, then the next argument that the defendant makes is, well, it's not a derivative work, it's transformative. Because I took, <laughs> I took it and it's fair use, man. Everyone does the whole, don't shoot me, okay? It's fair use, I'm, it's, it's safe, you know, I know you you might not like it. And look, we do this too, so to a certain degree. We make derivative works all the time. Yeah, like we and make we, our video game films back in the day, for yes, example. Yes, and, and those are, those are or pretty... Or Spider-Man rated R. 
Yeah. Those are pretty clearly derivative works, but sometimes, you know, sometimes they're transformative and we are, and we argue that all the time. Like, how is it that we're able to make, yes, yeah, Spider-Man rated R and monetize that? Well, the first reason is that, you know, because how prolific that property is in the public mind, which also leads to a better argument for fair use. If you have a work like Star Wars and it's like, yeah, we made a Darth Vader thing. It's like, yeah, technically that's that's a derivative work based upon a copywritten character that's copyright infringement. You know, it, it's... Yeah. But it's clearly supposed to be funny and it's parody. It's not yeah, another it, entrance into the Star Wars saga being sold right. as a so, movie. So that's the thing is when you start to get into, it's like, yeah, I know that this is, so take Darth Santa. Okay. That's a yeah. good example. We didn't then go out and say, okay, we're going to take Darth Vader. Okay. And then we're going to tell a new canon in the world of Star Wars. And this is what else, <laughs> this is what happened to him guys. Okay. Now, now look at it this way. And, and so closely right it's not so closely tied to where the character comes from that somebody would be like wait is this is this from george lucas <laughs> you know like I'm, everybody knows that and that that honestly lends itself into a better argument for fair use and but then in addition to it being widely disseminated in the public mind also we took it and we we took the character that is the copywritten character and we made a we made a new use of him. He's no longer this stalking, brooding, you know, silent Darth master of the universe. He's this funny guy who's friends with his stormtroopers and he's out there having fun and causing mischief, you know, and he's got a son and like he's got a Santa hat. He's got a Santa hat on and he's putting scorpions and, and stockings and <laughs> he's just being a, a rapscallion. Right. It's like that, that obviously is a huge departure from where the character comes from. And it's a totally different use of that character. So I think there's a good argument that that's transformative fair use especially because it doesn't undermine the value for the original. It's not like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, you know what? I saw Darth Santa, so actually I'm good on all the other Star Wars properties. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, no, you know, that but if you did that, if it if it had that effect, then that would matter as well. Mm. And so, so the court the courts take into consideration all of those things. Like it's not and it's not any one particular thing. It's like, it's like a totality of the circumstances. So where where do you stand on this, Jake? Give me give me your actual your judge now. I've made you judge and jury oh, and executioner if you so desire. So this is uh, one of those things where, it, like now, I understand the terrifying weight that would be on your mind with certain things when you are when for people that are judges, mm -hmm. like somebody this has to go before a judge and it's not going to go before a jury because that's not how copyright law works. So a a judge will have to sit there and look at it and consider all the precedent. I would want to consider more precedent. That would be the first thing. What do you mean would, consider I, precedent? Well, you'd want to consider what... Uh, so the way that the US court system works is you have the Supreme Court, obviously, which is you know the, the ultimate decider of, of legal questions in the land. But then below that, at a, at a federal level, you have what are called the appellate districts. And there's a bunch of these all over the country, but there's nine districts in particular. Um, and and those districts are bound by other decisions that have happened in their district, but not necessarily bound by things that haven't happened in their district. So this is a common thing that happens in music copyright all the time. There's the second circuit, or there's the second district, which is, covers Nashville, and there's the ninth district, which covers Los Angeles. And they're always fighting because the second, <laughs> yeah, the second district is bound by the rules that other courts in the second district have made. And the Ninth Circuit is bound by other rules that other courts in the Ninth District have made, but they're not necessarily in agreement all the time. Huh. So, so then sometimes those things go up to the Supreme Court, and then the Supreme Court has to say, okay, here's what we're going to follow. Hmm. And, but usually by the time it gets to the Supreme Court, it's already, like, there's already been, you know, a ton of, a ton of things that have been decided, and really, usually all the courts are asking the Supreme Court to do is go, is it this way or is it this way? Because we already, mm -hmm. you know, we already decided all the rest, all the nuance. And so I would want to consider more precedent because that would matter. And it would also matter what district you're in if you were a judge deciding this. The one that we're talking about, uh, 
uh, uh, in the video is a Ninth Circuit court. So you'd want to you'd want to go over that, go over that thoroughly. But at the end of the day, I think in the Ninth Circuit they're going to decide that it's fair use because hmm. there's such a tech heavy presence of of like you know trying to encourage the public benefit that results from tech the development of technology. Um, now. It's also a very arts-heavy district, which is why it's being filed there. Um, but that's just where my gut leads me. And if, I, if I might you be wrong. had to decide, based on your research, oh, if I had to say? decide, good God, that's. Um, I mean, I guess I'll decide. It's just a. It's just a an exercise, right? It's just an exercise. <clears throat> I would, I would, if if this, if if I was, if I was the judge and this was coming to me right now, I would decide that it's copyright infringement because it's too early, I think, to, to decide, you know, the fate of, because once you decide that it's fair use, it's like, okay, now, you know, the implications are, are everywhere. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. now let's make movie generators. Let's make music generators. Let's make it more image generators. Let's make all the generators. Let's just do, do it all. And we can take it all from the internet and there's no consequences. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes a, it becomes an arms race to the first person that can do that in the most effective means. And then basically charge a subscription for it. That's yeah. Basically it means somebody benefits from all the public data and then right. the public doesn't benefit from their benefit. Right. And so I, I don't, I, it might be such a transformative use that, you know, that's okay. But I think given that this just came out, like we're talking about August, a lot of times, you know, this stuff has been going on for years before, you know, these yeah. cases come up. But now this is like, boom, right away. So I, I do think it's good that they're getting out ahead of it. But given how new it is and how little we understand the implications, if, I was the judge, I would decide it's copyright infringement because you can always bring a later use that's similar back before the court and make another decision. You can't bring the same case, obviously, because it's race judicata, but you can bring similar things. Similar tools are going to result. Similar examples that are going to have the same ultimate effect are going to happen. And so right now I would go, no way. This is way too hot to like make this, you know, very impactful decision when there's no other technologies that have existed like it let's let's hold the phone on this right now it's infringement bring it back up in another district later see what they say let it start to bubble up here and there see Mm -hmm. what the consequences are here and there and that's what the great thing about the the federated system of america though is you can have these little petri dishes that's the that's the strength of it you can mm-hmm. have these things that bubble up here, bubble up there, you know, see how they work and how the weights and balances of how it affects the public versus how it affects the artists versus how it affects the AI and the tech companies and the development of further future technologies. And you can weigh all that over time in multiple different areas. And then ultimately, as those things gain enough speed, as they gain enough steam, then, you know, make a greater decision on it. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's also worth noting that, like, if it was ruled that, like, this model was infringement, specifically this data set in this model, like model being 1.5, for example, like, that doesn't mean it's the end of the program. The program's not a copyright infringement. It's right. the model. And yes. And right. Dolly, you know, and OpenAI, like, Dolly yeah. was trained on cleared uh, images. They cleared right. the rights for their images. Right. So they aren't in this lawsuit because they effectively got all the rights to actually use those images. Yeah. In a, they're in a, they're in a patent lawsuit, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> of but still, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but that's interesting because that, that does kind of like not necessarily sets a precedent, but it does show that there is a way to do it. That doesn't involve just scraping all the images without permission. And then the other thing is it's not hard to make your own models. So it's not the death of like cool art models. Like, right. Imagine, you know, imagine you train a base model on you know copyright cleared images and it can do all things it can replicate generally it can replicate people it's got all the you know the copyright free art and painting from you know up to like 100 years ago or whatever like and it's got a bunch of like copyright clear pictures so it clearly can represent forms it's got a bunch of different subjects and then if you want to like really train in a specific art style 
you can always just do that on your own. It takes like a few days at most, you know, mm -hmm. if you really want to like replicate an artist or a vibe or you want to mash together some things to get a really cool aesthetic. Like, yeah, but I can't do it with my phone right now, Nico. <laughs> <laughs> I need it instantly now. Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's a good point, too. And I, 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 don't, I don't think that because it's it's hard to understand the distinction between the program and a model of the program. That's yeah. not innately, that's not self-evident that it's just two different things um, and that they can be different. There's a ton of value in the program itself. A ton yeah. of value, like an incomprehensible amount of value. Um, and it's crazy that it can do what it does. It's just, man, can you do it with just, I can't just, I don't know, something seems wrong about that. Something seems wrong about that right now. Like just. Let me just give me all the data that you can get. I don't care well, where it comes from. Well, the reality I don't too really is care like, who so made it. People are going to argue like, well, the, the model doesn't actually store images. They'd be like, you, you try to find the Mona Lisa. You can't actually get the Mona Lisa out of it. No, you can, so get a, you can get a nightmare fuel version of the Mona Lisa out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's like true. But also, if you overtrain a model on an image or a small set of images, you can get it to replicate that image. You know, so it's like, yeah, you just have the compression slider turned down a certain way. It's like, but at what point does it become lossy enough? Does it become different enough? We're like, okay, it's no longer replicating that image. But, you know, the other argument to be made regardless, like, because the model isn't storing your images, right? It's the, the data set of images of the 6 billion images is 50 terabytes, which once again, you can just, you can go and start downloading it right now. It's free to download. Is that 50 terabytes? Yeah. But the model itself is like, four gigabytes right so it's 50 terabytes of the pictures compressed down to a four gigabyte neural network so it's not storing the pictures per se but at the same time the value of that model comes from the data it was trained on and if there if you're getting value from that model because it was trained on copywritten work you know it starts to be like well, well yeah well, i mean it's just it's to sum it up the model is derivative of the artist's work mm -hmm. yeah yeah at the end of the day, I think that's it is, you know. But well, remember when the Stable Diffusion work? came out? I mean, the first thing we all said about it was, "Look at how good this thing is." But you also can't copyright a style, and where does it right. differentiate between the artist's work and a style? Just like if because we do a, a Greg Rakowski style painting, but it's not one of his paintings. Right. Like, that's just it. It's not one of his paintings. It has the style of his painting, but it's like he didn't create it, you know. It was just but, trained on all of his paintings. It was just trained on his <laughs> and painting. it's tr and it's literally trying to give you one of his paintings. It just doesn't know which like was, one to was, give you. It, yeah, it was created in order to recreate his paintings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's the wacky thing about it. Is it, it's like yeah. if it could, it would. It's just doesn't can't quite give you the exact one. But I've also heard the argument that you know, well. Who was it? I just lost it. Uh, Turn in his paintings. I don't know, screw it. Okay. <laughs> that was yeah. the style thing. Copywriting a style, though. That's, yeah, that's, a, that's an important point. Um, you cannot copyright a style. You m might. No, you can't even trademark it. Yeah, because it's not precise enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you can trademark patterns and things like that, uh, you know, like a Louis Vuitton bag or whatever. Um, but you can't, yeah, you can't do that with a style. I still think the solution to all this is just to be like, hey, if you want to use publicly scraped data for your model, the model and the data set have to be publicly available. It's like, that's, go for it, you know, but it, you can't own it. You yeah, know? that's that's pretty good. And I, yeah, that's a good, like, band-aid i think for now <laughs> yeah i guess i just um, <laughs> i think about like google or microsoft like so it's chat chat gpt you know it's basically gpt3 yeah. elevated a little bit so yeah. people are starting to use that to replace google and it's way better than google like google sucks these days google search really sucks <laughs> like the internet's kind of been broken to like take advantage of it so you can't actually search for anything Ki than google kind themselves. of Kind of. They do 60% of the ad data that gets spent on the internet goes through Google. <laughs> yeah, so it's like you don't actually get results for your stuff. You get advertisements, regardless of whether or not it's a sponsored thing. So yeah. in, in the search for people just trying to learn things, like, hey, I like 
I have an error code. What does it mean? So like my buddy Jan, you know, like or our buddy Jan, like he'll type that to chat GPT three. But hey, what does this error code mean? And it tells him and be like, how do I fix it? And then it tells him. And if it's still too complicated, he might type, explain it to me like I'm a child. And then it tells him like in simpler terms. And so it's like a really smart version of Google. I mean, and he's, he's doing the code thing, too, where he'd be like, yeah. uh, I don't know how, how to install this like Python thing. And then it will tell him. Yeah, it'll be like, type in this code. code. So, okay, so it's like so ask that's, Jeeves. That's fascinating. Ask it's fascinating. It's also terrifying because you're gonna get back. It's not gonna like proof check it. It's just gonna True. be like I don't well, know. It's not like Google proof checks it either. <laughs> yeah. But like, no, of course like, not. Yeah, this is going to eat Google's lunch. You oh know, man, at least the search results. And Microsoft's probably trying to jump onto it. You know, a bunch of people are trying to jump onto it right now. So it's like, yeah, that's something where it's like, oh, a cool big old tech company is gonna go out there and scrape all the whole internet and everything that everybody's written. And they're going to turn it to their own model to then make themselves a billion dollars, you know, because they now have the search results. It's the same thing, though. You know, it's funny. It's like, oh, GPT-3. It's like, how did you make it? It's like all those poor journalists writing those articles. All that work was derived. It was. To create those models. Where are their voices? Where's their class action lawsuit? Right. Yeah. No, you're right. Honestly, it's the exact same thing. And like, yeah, yeah, I just it feels weird for a company to train on data that everybody's worked together to create in a public mm-hmm. way Dude, right. and to keep it for themselves yeah basically it just means that when the singularity happens uh everyone is gonna sue it <laughs> <laughs> well, google's, google's been walking that line since their existence you know and they've done a they've done a decent job placating the different interests that have attacked them uh to to, to be where they are today but you know that was that was a big issue at the dawn of the internet. Um, yeah. And that was, that was the issue. It's this, it's just the same issue. It's just re- replicating itself in a more complicated manner, I think now, but the issue being, can Google just serve you all that stuff without asking anybody? And that's true. It's like Google's, yeah, Google's kind of gotten in trouble. Like remember the picture stuff, like you do an image search on Google and Google just serve you the image and people right. are like, Hey, that image was on my website. You're not allowed right. to do that. You can send them to my website if they want the image. Yeah. You know? And now, like, Google tries to do the thing where they cut down, like, facts, where it's like, hey, Google, how round is the earth? You know? Or, like, how how far would I have to walk to walk around the earth? And, like, it'll give you, like, a fact snippet from a web page, you know, right. at, like, the top results now. But yeah. what it won't do is just give you the text without citing a source, because that would be copyright infringement, right? Just to clip it and give it to you. But if yeah. an AI rewrites it a little bit... <laughs> You know, but that's effectively what Chat GPT well, is because doing. there's no there's no copyright in facts. There's only a copyright in the presentation yeah. and arrangement of a fact. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of what's happening again in in a lot of ways. It's just obviously on the Chat GPT three side or the Chat GPT three, but yeah, on that side, yeah. it's happening more in a in a broad context of like human knowledge. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, I stole the style of Stephen King. Yes. And it's, everything it's is not... written in the voice of Stephen King, <laughs> but you no, can do that. You could ask it to do that if you wanted yeah. it to yeah. narrate it. Yeah. How do I solve this code problem? Narrate it to me like a Stephen King novel. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> you know, yeah. it's worth mentioning like with this stuff, like you talked about precedent, but, it never hurts to also make some new rules when the time comes up. Oh, totally. You know, and there, yeah. there, there will have to be because I think this presents novel uh, issues that haven't existed before. Just like the question of the first questions of Google when it was when the first questions were, can it can it scrape all this data across the Internet and present it to you and then put an ad on it? And index can it, it. Can it and index it? Yeah. And, you know, ultimately we decided collectively as, as a people, we said, you know what, this is a, this is a public service in a way and there's mm-hmm. value to it. And so we, we allowed that, we allowed, allowed that to go on. Now it appears that, that there's a, another few iterations that are happening in few different areas through the use of AI and machine learning. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, I'm excited for this year because this stuff's going to continue to happen quick. And, yep. um, you know, we're just trying to play with it, learn it, 
have fun with it, understand it, see what we can do with it. And I just hope that the people involved maintain it in an open way. Like they've been, you know, people have been doing so far, but not everybody. You know, if you're a researcher out there doing this stuff and you're keeping it closed, think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, just think about that a little bit. Right. Are you are you helping humanity <laughs> that much when you don't tell everybody you might, else? You might you might learning. be helping your research uh, financier, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, granted, there's a balance. People are putting in time, but if you're right. benefiting from the the knowledge of others, right? You know kind of a dick move if you just keep it all yeah i mean that's that's a fair point like we, we all benefit from the knowledge of others and the others who came before us yeah like th- can you imagine how arduous and absurd life would be if humans weren't able to transfer knowledge to each other yeah we, i mean we'd be we would be no we would be animals just straight up animals 100%. it would be awful and, and disability ai's credit like these models were dropped for free and the data set, mm-hmm. it's open source. You can grab it. And the code, it's open source. So they've, they kind of, you know, they, they put their money where their mouth was a little bit. And even though there's not rules that say they have to do that, mm-hmm. they're doing it. And so they're kind of just leading by example, much in a way that, you know, OpenAI led by example of clearing the rights for their data set. But they're also really behind closed doors. And you can just see how, st- like, Dolly is really cool, but also look how stagnant it is and mm-hmm. how, in a way, They've created something amazing that they then aren't letting people use, whereas Stable Diffusion is unlocking all these wonderful doors for so many people, and it's the people themselves doing it. You know, it's not a giant corporation right. just doing it behind closed doors. You know, yeah, and that's that's fair point. And you know, that's how else do you get conversion and and proliferation of users and all that stuff? And to really figure out, because you got to figure out, we don't even know what the value of this stuff is yet. Like yeah, what, what is use it for? What is the value of stable diffusion? It's it's like well we know it's worth something. We know <laughs> that it's we know that it's really interesting and it's fascinating and it's like this supercomputer in terms of what it can deliver to you. But no one's quite exactly put their finger on what's exactly valuable about it yet. And so yeah. at this point it is very valuable to the public to have it open. But see, that leads into the argument that it needs to be fair use, you know? It's, yeah. It's, and I don't think that's a wrong argument either. Like, if the court decided that, I wouldn't be like, how could, oh my God, how could they, <laughs> you know, I would just, I would be like, yeah, that, that makes sense. I see why they would decide that. Yeah. So we'll see well, what hopefully happens. It's a, hopefully the nuance exists and people don't just turn it into like hate fests and team sports. Yeah. Yeah, you but know. Nico, that takes all the fun out of it, you know? That's like the only way people <laughs> well, so that's, that's the only way people get a real once. thrill these days. <laughs> <laughs> With this abundance of food and technology and availability of anything at your fingertips. I mean, where's the real controversy? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I need a cause. Yeah. I need, t- I need to hitch my wagon on one of these trains. Hell yeah, brother. They're all leaving the station. <laughs> Brutal. Yep. <laughs> all right S- S- sam do you have any last words on this no you guys summed it up <laughs> glad you could be here sam <laughs> no that's it sam's gonna keep using it that's what he's gonna do yeah i'm gonna keep using it hell yeah don't dude. hate me <laughs> <laughs> don't hate to play i hate the game <laughs> yeah it's like bro i'm like so many levels down from like the actual like cause of this stuff you know right right i'm I'm innocent i mean hey we have a we have a cool project that we're doing (laughs) that explicitly uses custom trained models in a custom process very excited about it something very special we haven't shown any of it yet and when we do show it and we make this thing or we're already making it but like when we put it out there we're going to tell everybody exactly how we did it yeah everybody can do the same thing and And maybe lie a little bit to just throw them a wrench (laughs) (laughs) there'll be one there'll be one complete lie about the process so uh (laughs) yeah we just tell you what it is anyways uh so (laughs) now it looks like this (laughs) yeah but you know it's like it's the openness of the software that allows us to do what we're doing on our project so yeah like i said it'd be a dick move if we just kept it closed but also if we share our technique ideally people also jump in and research it and experiment it and refine our technique and we end up whistling really cool because the whole idea is that it 
the thing we're doing allows us to to do a really creative thing a lot faster than we used to. Right. Yeah. Being very yeah. vague here. We'll talk more about it soon. Yeah. No, that's going to be great. Uh, that'll be out in a few more weeks on Corridor. And we'll do a whole video on how we did it and how how you can do it on Corridor Crew. Yeah. So yeah. stay tuned for that. 2023 is a good year. It's going to be a good yes, one. Yes, sir. All right. I'm going to play right. us out. Sam, do you still want me to continue in D minor or do I dare? Oh, uh, no. It's much more uplifting now. Okay. We've solved our problems. We can see the sunlight. Like this? Yeah. yeah. Just like that. Oh. Maybe like an A minor, you know? A little bit of mood. A little yeah. bit of mood, of course. We've solved it for everyone. <laughs> no more reasons to leave bad comments. No more reasons to leave comments on Reddit that you don't like. When someone's computer makes a bad image, yeah, you don't yeah. gotta say they are a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> See you later.